you know, we sang, I love that we, uh, we sang uh, that song, and part of, one of the lines, on, on the, I think it was the second song we sang this morning, says, they laid him down in, in Joseph's tomb. And I remember years ago, when uh, Melissa and I, we were pastoring a church in Virginia many years ago, and uh, one night we just went and visited a, another church in town, and the guy was preaching on uh, uh, the burial and resurrection of Jesus. He said, you know, you, you, you lend out a, a lot, lot of things, but you don't, you don't ever talk about borrowing a tomb. You know, we might borrow your car, we might borrow your washing, you know, your washer or dryer for a little bit, we might borrow your chainsaw. Uh, you typically don't borrow a tomb. Uh, but Jesus knew he wasn't going to need it that long. Uh, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. They probably, I'm sure they assumed it was permanent. Uh, Jesus knew he was going to return that thing in just a few days' time. Hallelujah. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you, and we bless you in your own great name. And we relish your presence this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, let me um, go ahead and encourage you, if uh, the children there that are with you in your living room or den, wherever you might be right now, I want to go ahead and encourage you to feel free to, to send them out, set them up. Hopefully you received the, uh, the Children's Church lesson uh, this week from, from our Children's Church ministry here, so they can go ahead and, and make their way over uh, to wherever they'll be enjoying that. And, and God bless uh, the children as they head out. Uh, some uh, I think Tim and Charlotte Wentz worked really hard to prepare something for them this week. So praise the Lord. We're so grateful for all the people uh, that are part of this fellowship. So many people doing so many things uh, for so many different people, delivering stuff and helping with chores and, and making things like this happen. Uh, while we're in this weird time right now, uh, the body of Christ has really pulled together to take care of one another, and I'm so grateful for that. And so God bless your children as they head out there. Let me just mention a couple of quick, uh, couple of quick announcements for you, and then we'll go ahead and share together in the ministry of the Word this morning. Uh, first, speaking of wonderful people in our fellowship doing wonderful things, uh, Debbie Helms reached out to us uh, this past week, uh, and while she's been at home, she uh, has made some fantastic uh, face masks. She made a whole bunch of them sent them to the church, made them available. A number of people have already come by and gotten them. We've actually delivered a bunch of them. Uh, but we have a few left, not a lot, but a few. And so if you would like a face mask for when you go out uh, shopping for groceries or when you have to do that, uh, if you would like a face mask, we've got a few left. You can uh, come by the church or call the church and see if they're there. If you're not getting out right now, but you would like, and we have any, we'll be glad to, to get that to you. Our deacons are doing a fantastic job of you know, getting things to people. Our elders are doing that. And just people from the body are doing that. So let us know if you'd like one of those masks. And, and praise the Lord for Debbie Helms for doing that. Um, also, Norman Manley, uh, our lead elder here, our, the chairman of our board of elders, has done an enormous amount of research on the CARE Act. That's that big two-point-whatever trillion-dollar thing that the government did to help people. Uh, as they uh, experience financial difficulty right now. Norman's done a tremendous amount of research, and I was looking at some of that a Saturday morning at the council meeting. He showed us some of what he's done. And I convinced him he's going to do a, a very brief, I don't know, maybe 10-minute or so webinar for anybody from our fellowship who would like to know more about that. If, if you want to know how to make sure uh, your, uh, what do they call that thing, uh, your um, relief payment that uh, uh, comes, I mean, you want to make sure the IRS has the information they need or how to track that, he can show you how to do that. If you need unemployment benefits and aren't sure how to go about that, he can help with that. 
If you have a small business and, and want to look into uh, payroll protection for small businesses, he can help with that. So here's what we're asking. If you would like to be a part of that, um, uh, Norman can set that up through Zoom, and, and he can actually show you the computer screens for the IRS and stuff. It's pretty amazing. You just need to contact the church and tell us, hey, I'd like to be a part of that, and we'll get it set up here in the next several days. So we're asking you to call or email the church office, tell us you would like to be involved in that. Once we get, uh, give a couple of days uh, to get that set up, uh, we'll send you a link, and uh, Norman will set that up. It'll be fantastic. So if you need information with regard to that, let us know. And It's just one more way we want to try and help you with that. And finally, just a reminder, we've got stuff going on every day of the week now. Uh, tomorrow's Monday. Tune in at 12 o'clock for Mondays with Matt. Uh, as Pastor Matt shares an encouraging word, a uh, brief devotional thought, we've got prayer every day at 10 a.m., if you'd like to participate in that, on Wednesday there's a midweek service where we have communion together, Wednesday at 12 noon, so please take advantage of those opportunities as you're interested and as you're able. Praise the Lord. Well, hopefully you've got your children settled and you've got your things already ready for communion, so we're going to take a minute and look at the Word of God together as we celebrate uh, Jesus this morning. Would you join me again? Father, we thank you so much for your Word, or by which we're instructed uh, Lord, your word by which you've made yourself known and your will and your purpose is known. So, Father, as we look at your word together this morning, open up our hearts and minds, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Well, we are now a little more uh, than halfway through, actually not quite, I take it back, not quite halfway through uh, the statewide stay-at-home order issued by our governor. Uh, children and adults alike are all going a little bit stir-crazy. Uh, I am way overdue for a haircut, uh, but none of that changes the reality that he is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Now, the truth is these are hard times, challenging times in our nation, hard times, challenging times around the world. As the coronavirus pandemic continues to really kind of turn upside down life as we have known it for so long. Too many hospitals continue to be packed out. Too many people continue to get sick. Too many people continue to die. Too many people continue to feel the pinch of lost jobs and lost wages. That is the truth. This Easter Sunday morning, this Resurrection Sunday morning. But it is also the truth that He is risen just as He said. He is in fact the risen Lord, the King over all the earth. And in spite of the challenges of this hour, in fact, right in the midst of the challenges of this hour, He is still here for you, and He is still worthy of our praise and celebration. The difficulties that you and I are facing right now are not unique in human history. Now, the truth is they're wildly unique in terms of our own experience, but they're not really unique in terms of human history. The history of the world is filled with uh, chaos and tragedy and difficulty, with wars and plagues and famine, with economic hardship and social unrest, with sickness, disease, death, and loss of all kind. During the American Civil War, over 620,000 Americans perished from uh, combat wounds, disease, starvation, and other causes. Most of them left behind widows or children who were forced then to fend for themselves in a time of very little economic opportunity. 
During World War II, over 75 million people died across the globe. Over 40 million of them were civilians. Many of them died violent deaths and mass bombings or intentional acts of genocide. You and I have grown up in a time and in a country where people get really, really stressed out over things like slow internet service. The truth is the very oldest among us only experienced the Great Depression as a part of their very, very earliest childhood. In fact, if you were born the year the Great Depression officially ended, you're 87 years old today. We are not a people terribly acquainted with genuine hardship. And the truth is that makes us an aberration in the world and an aberration in human history. Today is Easter Sunday, the great annual festival of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a real historical event that occurred in a time and in a place of great turmoil and hardship. The terrible war machine that was ancient Rome had brought the entire world under its heel. The people of God were crying out for a Savior, praying and hoping for their coming Messiah. And yet when He came, very few people recognized Him for who He was. Ultimately, the governing authorities executed Him, hanging Him on a cross until He died. Those who had believed in Him watched right there as their hopes and dreams died before them. They were acquainted with distress and grief in ways most of us will never even imagine. But God is a good God. And so in the ultimate unfolding of His ultimate plan, all bad things must come to an end. Weeping may remain for the night, but joy comes in the morning. In a dark and depraved age, dark and depraved people handed over the Lord Jesus Christ to be beaten and killed. They nailed Him to a wooden cross and left Him there until He died. But Jesus refused to stay dead, and death was incapable of holding on to Him. So wherever you are right now in your den, in your living room, wherever you are joining, participating in this time of corporate worship, I'm going to ask you, would you stand with me please? In honor of the Word of God and in honor of the resurrected Lord Jesus. And listen as I read to you Matthew chapter 28 verses 1 through 10. Matthew 28, 1 through 10. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. 
So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. You know, each of the four gospel writers includes uh, uh, some detail, a little bit of detail that the others do not. And so I'm very grateful to Matthew when he wrote this gospel for telling us, an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. The ladies were going to the tomb that very first Easter Sunday in order to finish the work they had begun the preceding Friday. The work of preparing the corpse of Jesus, of covering it with spices and and burial cloths. And on their way there, they had worried aloud about that particular stone. It had been placed there and sealed on the orders of the Roman governor himself. And it was a prodigious stone set in place not just to seal the tomb of Jesus, but also to send a very clear message. Nobody. And Pilate meant nobody was going to get into that tomb. The government of Rome had spoken. The troublemaking prophet had been crucified. And if the tomb was the final word of the matter, that stone was the exclamation point. Declaring to anyone who dared pass by that Jesus and everything about Jesus was now completely off limits. Poor little Pontius Pilate, governor of the Roman, from the Roman Empire. He had so overestimated his own power and so underestimated the power of the one he had ordered to be crucified. So the very first thing Sunday morning, Jesus simply sat up and stretched. He took off the grave cloths. He took the, 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 the face covering and neatly folded it and set it aside. And then he simply walked out of the tomb. Sometime after that, this angel came down from heaven. God had sent him to deal with that stone, not mind you, so Jesus could get out. I remind you that the resurrected Jesus was no longer bound by the normal laws of time and space. He was able at will to suddenly just appear in a locked upper room. He was able at will to suddenly appear alongside a group of travelers on the road to Emmaus. Now the angel hadn't come to move that stone in order to let Jesus out. The angel had come to move that stone in in order to let other people in. To make sure they could see for themselves that he is risen. He is risen indeed. So first he rolls that stone away and then he sits on it. I just love that. He sits there and waits for the ladies to come as if this is the most ordinary thing in the world. And yet we know for sure it wasn't all that ordinary because verse 4 tells us that those, those seasoned, hardened Roman soldiers who'd been set there for the express purpose of guarding that stone and guarding that tomb, they were so afraid of him, the Bible says, that they shook and became like dead men. But I want you to notice the very next verse says this. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. 
I got to tell you, I find it interesting. I found it interesting as I studied this passage all week. The angel didn't say, do not be afraid to the terrified soldiers. While they were standing there shaking in their boots, the angel doesn't say, do not be afraid to them. But to the ladies who'd come looking for Jesus, the ladies who had come out of love for Jesus, the angels spoke word of encouragement and comfort because God is always gracious to those who love and follow His Son. Listen, if you're watching this right now, if you're listening to my voice right now, and you have come looking for Jesus, you have absolutely nothing to fear. The angel says to those ladies, do not be afraid. He has risen, just as he said. And I want to tell you right now, the risen Jesus has in his hands love and grace and compassion and mercy. The peace of God and peace with God. And he offers them freely to anyone who will come to him by grace through faith. He, that was the message to those ladies at the tomb. That is the message to anyone who will come to Jesus. There is peace for you and you are welcome. It was not, however, the message to those Roman soldiers. Because the rest of the truth is this. For those who do not come to Jesus, for those who will not love and trust Him, there is real reason to fear. Jesus is not just the loving Savior. He is also the righteous judge. The Apostle Peter at Cornelius' house said, He is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Basically, Jesus opens the door to peace with God. And Jesus decides who may pass through that door. Everyone who believes in Him, everyone who believes in Him, receives forgiveness of sins in His name. But those who do not believe do not receive that same forgiveness because God has offered the forgiveness of sins in His Son, Jesus. So the Apostle Paul wrote, God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And that brings me to my second point. Namely, that the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ affects you just as it affects Him. Every year at Easter, we joyfully greet one another by saying, He is risen, He is risen indeed, hallelujah. But I want to tell you this morning, if you're a faithful follower of Jesus, you can just as honestly say, I am risen, I am risen indeed, hallelujah. What do you mean by that, Pastor Billy? Well, look with me briefly, if you would, at the epistle lesson. For this Easter Sunday. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4. Colossians 3. It starts this way. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. But it begins. Since you have been raised with Christ. The verb translated raised with. In in the original Greek. Is one word. One verb. One single thought. You could translate it co-raised. And so this Easter Sunday morning, as you celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, I want you to contemplate the reality that you have been co-raised with Him. Think about that. His resurrection is your resurrection. Everything Jesus has done, in everything Jesus has done, you are the beneficiary. 
If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been raised with Christ. And you can say with the Apostle Paul, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. When Jesus rose from the dead, it meant life for him and life for you. And that means your appropriate response to the resurrection of Jesus is to wrap your life up completely in His. As the epistle lesson goes on to say, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So what do you do about that now? Well, the short answer is you yield control of your life to Jesus. Because His resurrection is your resurrection. You commit to live in a brand new way. Paul writes there in Colossians, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Christ is risen just as he said. And you have been raised to new life in him. The call now is to go out and live like that. Set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. Now, I have to be, stop here and say I, I'm concerned that sometimes when people read those words or sometimes when people hear those words, set your hearts on things above, set your minds on things above, I fear they, they may be tempted to think that God is calling them to some sort of lofty, fluffy, out there, up there, over there, you know, ethereal, weird way of living that has virtually nothing to do with the nasty, nitty-gritty of life right now. That, 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 it, that it's a, a, God's called them to the sort of life that doesn't really touch and can't really bother with the ragtag real, realities of this life right now. But Jesus came to earth precisely to engage the ragtag realities of life right now. He came to eat and drink and work and sleep. To pay tithes to God and taxes to Caesar. To touch and engage lepers and prostitutes and drunks. Corrupt businessmen, corrupt politicians, and corrupt religious leaders. Jesus hung out with filthy farmers and smelly fishermen and he did it on purpose and he did it to show you and me how to live in this world as ambassadors and citizens of the world above. Then he died and he rose again and he invites you to join him in both those things. To die to your old life being buried with him in baptism and then to rise with him from the dead and go on and live a life like his. Set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. Not so you can forget about all the ragtag stuff down here right now, but so you can engage that stuff from a different perspective. So you can impact that stuff for the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 6, 4, We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might live a new life 
If you are a Christian, you have died and risen with Christ Jesus. So you can live in and for Christ Jesus. That is the basic meaning for life. And frankly, it's the fundamental reason for Easter. He has risen just as he said. And you have been raised with him. Let's go as the people of God and live that way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, as always, for the power and the clarity of your word. Lord, the the word that shows us who you are, the word that shows us who Jesus is, the word that tells us what he did for our salvation, for our forgiveness, and not just for our forgiveness and salvation, but for our transformation, that we might walk in newness of life, that we might engage the ragtag realities of this world as new creatures in Christ, representatives of the kingdom of God, bringing and manifesting the kingdom of God. Lord Jesus, Father God, this morning as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, we recognize our own resurrection with Him. Father, we thank You for what You did for us in Jesus. And we accept the commission to go in His name, in the new life that He provides, and make a difference in this world. We bless You and thank You in the name of Jesus. Amen, hallelujah, and amen. Praise the Lord.